We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my fabulous friends and sweet, sweet souls. Do you have a favorite book? one that you've read and it lingers in your mind and heart long after you've put it down. I do, and it's called The Shack. And when I found out it was coming out as a movie, I have seriously never been more excited to go to a theater in my life. And I have to say, this was, from my perspective, the best movie I've ever seen. It is visually stunning and covers the gamut of emotions. It makes you think, feel, it addresses the big questions of life, love, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, and faith. It can help you perceive our human experience from a higher perspective. And if you're open for it, deepen in your faith, cultivate forgiveness, heal profoundly, and usher in a process of transformation. The story of the shack, how it came to be, and its success with the book selling over 20 million copies, and how it became a multi-million dollar feature film starring Sam Worthington and Octavia Spence is nothing less than a God thing and a phenomenon. And the author of this story is a phenomenal, conscious, humble, kind, and very wise soul. We're so fortunate to have with us this teacher, word wizard, master storyteller, and I suspect likely enlightened one, William Paul Young. It seems no You are so funny. <laughs> well, I, I, just, I just call it like I see it, Paul. Oh, I love being around you. Oh, I love being around you, too. And from what I understand, no one is more surprised by the success of this story than you are. I know you've referred to yourself as an accidental author. I think my mom's more surprised than even <laughs> I, I, She's 89 years old. I was with her a couple months ago, and she had this funny look on her face. And I go, like, what? She goes, <laughs> shakes her head. She goes... You're my son. Who would have thought? <laughs> and I'm going like confidence, mom. Well, and she's exactly right. <laughs> Who would have thought? I know. So so great. Yeah, accidental author. Never intended to be published. Um, wrote a book. Made 15 copies on the on mostly on the train. I wrote it mostly on the train to one of my three jobs. 15 copies at Office Depot that did everything I ever wanted it to do. And uh, and look. God and, has a sense of humor. And you, I guess, um, there you, there was uh, several or many publishers that were approached with this and nothing really happened. So you self-published? Is that right? Yeah. 26 publishers turned it down, which wow. was no big deal because I didn't have any expectations to begin with. So uh, when you learn so to live without expectations, everything's a gift, right? So <laughs> That's fantastic. So. Well, it's the truth. Um, it is. It is true. It is true. Yeah. Expectations are just disappointments waiting to happen. And oh um, profound. Uh, so, yeah, we we approached all these different publishers, the faith based. Half of them were faith based publishers. Half of them were secular mainstream press. And uh, neither of them could figure out what genre it was. And then the faith-based people thought it was too edgy and the secular folks thought it had too much Jesus in it. So, you know, they just didn't realize there's a whole bunch of us that are sort of stuck between edgy and Jesus somewhere. Oh, yeah. That's where I like to hang out. 
Uh, me too. That's now, it's funny action. because I, I've, I've often said Christians say I'm not Christian and non-Christians say I'm Christian. And I like something you said once. It's like, tell me what you think a Christian is and I'll tell you if I'm that. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, that's my heritage. So I don't, I don't mind identifying with it if, if we're kind of on the same page, even, even remotely. You know, if it's got something to do with the life of Jesus and, and the way of Jesus and the spirit of Jesus, then I'm, I'm kind of in. But if it's got to do with religion, I'm not so much in. No. You know, somebody asked me, um, I took a bunch of my friends to go see it. I did like a class uh, field trip. So I had a bunch of girlfriends and they were all very, very curious about you saying, is he really a religious man? I said, that's not how I would describe him. <laughs> kind of no. magical and kind of like amazing uh -huh. and enlightened. But I think spiritual, like you have a really profound personal relationship with the Trinity. And I think that's your, uh, I think you're I the get, living I example of that. I get to be the child, right? So, and that's kind of where we're all heading. We, we all end up becoming adults and adults are all about control and, and, uh, children aren't Yeah. Uh, children, children by nature trust. And until somebody teaches them that it's dangerous. Then wonder. And, mm. Yeah. And then the grace of the day and you know, they're, they're not worried about, five-year plans and agendas and how they can be all they can be. Um, not unless they're in an environment that's, that's dangerous and damaging, but a, ch a child by nature has so much. I have, I have nine grandchildren who are nine years old and under. Wow. And I want to, I want to be just like them. <laughs> well, and it does seem like the journey of the hero is about that. We start as a child. We often go through tragedy, the rug being pulled up from under us, disillusionment, and then yeah. come back full circle. If we're lucky on this healing path, if we, I think, turn our face to the light. I and agree. We can become like little children. And that is how we get into the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. It's, that's how we see it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, a lot of us, our eyes are so full of future tripping agendas and imaginations that don't exist, you know, all fear-based stuff. Mind. And, um, and we're just not, we're just not, yeah, and we're not designed to live that way. And, um, and so it creates all kinds of poisons that spill out in every direction. And we can't, I mean, we almost can't help ourselves. Um, but the, I think the journey is the same as the guy born blind, you know, mm -hmm. you, you need someone to come and, uh, and spit in the ground and put some mud in your eyes and, and have you wash it off and slowly in the context of your life, you begin to see things that are actually real and true, not what you thought. And, uh, and that's, I think the journey that you saw in the movie, which yes. I think is fantastic. Oh my gosh, Paul, I just, I cried and had goosebumps. I've seen it twice. I'm going to go back and see it with my husband again, but seriously, <laughs> the best movie that I've ever seen. You know, it, <sighs> It did uh, uh, the same thing as the book has been doing and that it it gave people a language for yes. and for many people the first time a language to have a conversation about God that was relational and not religious. And then it affirmed our stories. That is, it it climbed inside of our great sadnesses and, and said it said our tears actually matter and our yes. questions are important. And there's a God who comes to us with such a high degree of respect for the human creation, such a high view of humanity, contrary to our religious backgrounds, many of us, uh, that has a very low view of humanity, mm -hmm. and, and begins to declare to us the truth of our being so that the way of our being can finally match it. And I think that's the whole journey toward wholeness that we're all on. I, I completely agree with you. And I would say the thing that surprised me most 
about the film was that not everybody loved it. I don't get that at all. Uh, yeah. Somebody, it was so funny. I was reading some of them and this one, one person was like, how dare this man portray a woman as a God and unconditionally loving. I'm like, <laughs> I'd be mad, but I'm busy laughing out loud. <laughs> well, you know, those are my people. We're, and <laughs> they are. Uh, I'm missionary kid, preacher's kid, you know, modern evangelical fundamentalist background. And, and those people are precious, but they're stuck, you know, and, uh, and addicted to being right, because that gives us a sense of certainty so that we don't have to take the risk of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times we get stuck in our uh, imagery and everything else. So God is really more male than female, as if, as if the entire spectrum of maternity and paternity did not originate in God. That, uh, you know, like a friend of mine who is a pastor for 40 some years, he says, like, you really think that the universe was birthed out of three guys in love with each other? For real? <laughs> <laughs> and, and did you know, um, and here's a beautiful thing. There's a word that dominates the Hebrew scriptures, what Christians refer to as the Old Testament. And um, it's the word mercy. You'll find it everywhere. But the word mercy comes from the same root as the word womb. So every time you, you run into the word mercy, you're dealing with the womb love of God. The word actually means gated or hidden waters. Mm-hmm. And it's just this embrace that is relentless and ferocious uh, for us and on our behalf. And, uh, and you know what? We lost so much of that because of the, the spin, <clears throat> spin of male dominance, not just in the world, but in our theology. And, uh, and you know, imagery was never intended to define God. Um, and that's why imagery is used all over the all over the map in scripture. You have God in male form or female form or, mm-hmm. um, you know, in animals, uh, mother bear, lion and eagle and inanimate objects. God's a rock and a strong tower and a fortress and a shield. God's a nursing mother in Isaiah. God is a woman who loses a coin. God is a father. God is a shepherd. Mm-hmm. And none of those are intended to define God. Right. You know, I'm. Right. Um, you know, even though the Holy Spirit is introduced in, in feminine language in Genesis, Ruach is, all, is feminine and the pronouns are feminine. And it's not saying like, oh, well, there's a female part of God and a male part of God. And uh, they got together and had a baby. You know, it's, it's not like that. All of maleness and all of femaleness originate in the Father, in the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. And yeah. uh, which is... It's a beautiful thing, you know, we've, but we're so scared that if we get outside the constrictions of our, our little box, that somehow our, everything will fall up, uh, you know, apart and we'll end up in hell. You know? no, so it's true. Well, I think, uh, I've heard it said that controls the master addiction, you know, and, and controls an illusion. So we need to be able to surrender that. And I think relax and just trust. And of course we can't put God in a box. It's beyond what we can comprehend from our limited perspective. So I think it is about just trusting the mystery and enjoying the journey. Here, here's a, a line that I think I got <clears throat> right from the Holy Spirit because every time, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every, I love hearing that. Oh, uh, every time I, I say it and the way it resonates in people's hearts is instant. And here's, here's how it goes. The only time you'll find God in a box is because God wants to be where we are. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that. I just, it's so often you do this, Paul, where you you say something, you write something, or 
uh, you know, something happens in the movie. I was like taking some notes the second time I watched it. And I just want to like sit with that sentence for a while and just marinate in it because it's, it's doing something inside of me that I can't put into words. I guess we could call it transformation or healing or I don't know, you, you create this energy of um, epiphany and revelation. And it's, I love being in that space with you. Oh, thanks. You know, I've been thinking about that whole thing a lot over the last couple of years. And, and recently, I, you know, you get to a place and something dawns on you. And as soon as it dawns on you, you think like, oh, my gosh, that should have been obvious the whole way along. <laughs> you know, and, yeah, I get it. <laughs> and it's a simple, yeah, it's a simple thing. God has never been a religious being. How simple is that? Right. Yeah. And and it's either true or not true. And, and it's, I think, obvious to everybody that while that's true, there's never been an order of services like so which one of the three is going to do communion this week and where are we going to meet? You know, it's there's never been a religion within the relationship of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And. And just to make an analogy, you know, if you were some powerful king and your child runs into the room, if you have any sense of humanity at all, that child can break every single protocol and hierarchical rule that anybody has ever built around being a king because it's relationship. Yes. Right. So relationship always breaks religion. So if that's true, if it's true that God has never been a religious being, that means that every sense of religion that has been brought to the table is from us, not from God. And that gives us a different lens than to look at history. For example, we can look at scripture and say, this is a God who submits to our box, climbs into it with us in order to dismantle everything that is wrong about it from the inside. And he does it through the ferocious, relentless affection of love. Mm. And... I love that. I mean, it just like, oh, okay. So that's why God hates sacrifice, but climbs into our world of sacrifice and becomes the sacrifice to end sacrifice. Right? There you, there you go again. <laughs> I need to sit with that for a while. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to come back and listen to this show because that's, that's mind-blowing and it's liberating and it's truth. It's and, you, and you can feel it in your heart. Yes. Um, I was with a, a friend who's become a friend. His name's James Doty. He's a he's a proclaimed atheist, but one of the top neuroscientists in the in the world, and um, uh, runs a center for generosity and uh, butchering this. But and that he's set up with the Dalai Lama. He wrote a book called Into the Magic Shop, and uh, which is a really beautiful book. And um, where he was intercepted by a lady who taught him basic meditation practices as a 12 year old that, that fundamentally saved his life. But he was talking to me. Um, I interviewed him down at Powell's bookstore, which is a huge monster bookstore in Portland, Oregon. And, uh, and he said, you know, uh, when we were talking, he said, you know, what we've discovered is that there are more neural connections that originate in the heart and go to the head than from the head to the heart. And, mm-hmm. and he says, that's, that's why we can die of a broken heart because it actually severs our grief will sever the connections that, that, and shut the brain down, but it originates in the heart. So when you hear truth, there's like this tuning fork that mm-hmm. goes off inside of you and, and the conflict, the it's cognitive dissonance. It's when it gets to the head that things kind of go like, uh, that's not like how I was told, or I wasn't taught that way, or my experience doesn't tell me that, right? you know, 
that feeling so, sense is no longer there. Yeah, I know. And that's where the conflict. So, you know, when when Papa comes through the door as a large black African-American woman and she picks you up and spins you around and yells your name and tells you how great it is to see you, mm-hmm. you know, for for a nanosecond, those of us who come from the from the, uh, you know, the family of the Pharisees, we even want to be inside that hug, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we want to be. Don't we want to feel that that unconditional love and affection and adoration? It's, yeah. it's amazing. And yeah, that's why I meditate. So I can be in that space of receiving that. And it, it's freedom. It's peace. It's, it's incredible. So, Paul, I just have to ask you, what was this like for you? Were you on the set of this? <laughs> yes, I was. Advising? Were you Tell I'm me a... more. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, the, you know, I didn't anticipate. I laid the movie down and had and have never had an, a regret about that. That means I had no creative control and no rights to it. And and um, and you just basically you trust that there is a God who has purposes that you don't have to understand. And um, so I didn't anticipate being involved. But then Lionsgate called me up and said, you know, we'd love to talk to you. So I went and spent an afternoon and we basically told stories and cried a lot. And then. Uh, uh, later, they, uh, Gil Netter, who's the producer who did Life of Pi and Marley and Me and Blindside and 20 other movies, he called me up and said, would you, would you be willing to look at the script? Uh, yeah, sure. So I got to look at the script. I got to be involved in conversations about the actors. I got to be on the set. In fact, Lionsgate called me up and said, would you consider coming on the set the first day shoot mm-hmm. and praying a blessing over the entire cast and crew? Mm. And I went, are you kidding? Yeah, of course I would. So I was on the set the first day and, um, at the end of that day, um, I'm just, you know, kind of in awe of this. It's all surreal because I read a story for my kids for Christmas, you know, make 50 <laughs> and now there are like 60 people getting paid to put into a different medium in an artistic way. What I wrote in a book for my kids. And it's like, oh, how cool is this? So I'm standing there and I, and I hear Gil Netter yell out, <clears throat> Hey, Paul. You want to be in a cameo? I go like, like in the movie cameo? He goes, sure. He says, I've never, I've never done a movie that was a book adaptation and the author was alive that I didn't put the author in it somewhere. I said, for real? My kids are going to love this. So he said, I still have to do. He said, well, there's this scene and they were shooting it because um, they shoot things out of sequence, depending on when the actors are available and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So they'd taken over White Rock, B.C., um, a town in, in Southern British Columbia. And, um, it's the scene where, um, Willie, who's played by Tim McGraw is walking over to his friend Mackenzie's house and, and Mac and the kids are all piling to the car. And when you see, uh, Tim, Willie, the first thing he says is, uh, summer's last hurrah. And he's got a dog with him. So when you see that, you know, that, my huge cameo is just around the corner. So, uh, <clears throat> so I said, what do I have to do? He said, well, we're going to shoot this scene and all you have to do is walk through the background. Well, shoot, I've walked most of my life. I mean, how- <laughs> <laughs> I think I can do this. <laughs> oh, but you know, but when I walk, I don't normally think about it. You know, it's right? sort of natural. You start to think about it. It's like, Oh my gosh, what do I do? You know, it's like, uh, you know, how fast? Well, it only took like five takes, you know, (laughs) and, uh, you know, let's try that again. This time, try not to photobomb, you know, or uh, (laughs) slow it down a little bit. 
you know. Acting's so, not as easy as it might look. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, they, they take, you know, they take 20 uh, takes of a particular shot, and then it's the editors that weave it together into a way that, that looks yeah. seamless. And um, so it, when you see this scene, and it goes back and forth between Mackenzie and, and Willie, there, there's a focus on Tim McGraw's face, and in the background, you will see a kind of short, elderly, little overweight white guy with a book in his arm, under his arm, just walk through the scene. It lasts for about two seconds, but uh, but I'm in a movie. And it's and, so uh, funny that you say that, Paul, because I was kind of looking for you because I thought, wouldn't that be cool if there was a cameo? But I didn't. I guess I missed you. Well, I'm going to go back and look for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's it's really quick. So and and you know what? Film does make you look fatter. I just got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun yeah and then and then they invited me to look at the um uh the editing runs uh you know just to give notes which i did and they didn't have to they didn't have to do any of that um if i had the time i'd tell you this massive story that happened uh the second time i went up there it's just one of those you know God, who is good all the time, involved in the details of our lives and, and is present with such a degree of respect, but doesn't allow anything that is not of love's kind to remain unchallenged. And um, so well, it's I'm a beautiful an, I want to do another show with you next week, so maybe we can hear more of your story. Well, I'd love to tell that story because it's like... Okay, well, oh, then we'll, oh. we'll make that happen for sure. Um, yeah, we have about four or five minutes left now, but we'll save okay. that good story so people will come back and listen to your next show next week awesome. um yes so again i just feel like this is a god thing for sure and it's so funny to me because it's like you gave up your ambition and then you were carried on this wave that it's so it's just like you, you couldn't have made this happen by yourself there's no way i mean there's <laughs> <laughs> there is no way and and the beautiful thing is that those 15 copies really did everything that i ever wanted that book to do and um, now it's blessing, I think, all of humanity or a good portion of it anyway. Well, and it's a it's so great that it's an invitation mm -hmm. to um, to just something different, you know, because what we're doing doesn't seem to be working very well. And, and we end up hurting one another. And yeah. and it's just an invitation to look at our own lives and go like because it's confrontive in some respects in terms of issues of forgiveness and it and is issues. You really address yeah. the biggest issues, and and it's uh, it's it. You go really deep. You you know you were very courageous in this, but I guess if you think you're just writing it for your kids, you know it's like it's okay to be that that courageous and that vulnerable and go to that dark the darkest place we can consider. Really, it is. It's the worst loss a human being can experience. And yeah, I've uh, had some friends go, and they they're like, "You didn't tell me it was going to be about you know." that you know yeah. a, a child being it's, it's, and it's it's never graphic and so you know i've got friends who've taken their teenagers with and it's and it's opened up beautiful conversations deep conversations yeah. relevant yeah. conversations and and yet i've got so many people who have lost children who this has just put an arm around them mm -hmm. and um ah, there's another story i could tell you that maybe next time we will so there's two stories now. There you go. Okay, we have a lot of stories coming up in our next episode. And I just have to ask you this, Paul, because it's it's occurred to me many times, and, and I'm really curious. How is Kim with all of this? Oh, you know, 
she's she's great. We none of us understand it, so we laugh. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I tell people that one of the beautiful things in my life is I'm surrounded by people who love me but aren't impressed, you know? <laughs> and and uh, she's just a grounded person. I mean, North Dakota gal, you know, where there's no 50 shades of nothing, you know? Yeah, and she's uh, quite amazing. She's, she seems like an enigma, just like salt of the earth, solid, amazing. Absolutely. That's why I was attracted to her to begin with because I lived in my head, so I, I faked being... Uh, a person of substance, but I wasn't actually one. She saved my life. She is one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We make a fantastic team, clearly and obviously. It's it's uh, it's it's a it's a blessing, and it's it's incredible to be on the periphery and just get a sense of it. So I, uh, I feel very blessed because of uh, my experience of you and knowing her through you. Uh, two way street. Uh, you know, all of these are two way streets. Uh, street. It is. It, it again, it, it's about relationship. It's just it is. so interesting, relatedness, being in that heart space with one another and, and hopefully all of life. And I know years ago when I said, God, what would you have me do? And he said, love my children. I'm like, people, all of them? Just the one in front of you. Just the one in front of you. Is your, is your I, middle name Peter? <laughs> <laughs> Tammy Joeline Peter. But yeah, it's, is it? it is. It's about just being in our loving and it's it feels so good once we get there. And I know you know that. I know you, you teach that. You live it. You are that. Uh, exactly. And if I, if I couldn't live it, it wouldn't be worth doing. Ah, true, true words. All right. So I can't believe it. This was the fastest show ever. Oh, but I'm so happy you're coming back to have another conversation with Paul. And uh, Look yes. Forward. Yes. And Paul, how do people find you? Do you have a website? W.M. Paul Young. W.M. for William, but it's W.M. Paul Young.com. That'll connect you yeah. to all that stuff I can understand. If you go to Amazon, William Paul Young, he's got tons of books. He's amazing. He'll change your life if you're open to it. All right, come back and be with us next week. I love you guys. Be in touch. God bless you. Onward and upward. Bye for now. <laughs>